Welcome to a new sponsor, A.N. Weber Incorporated. Now in their 76th year, Weber has offices in Kankakee, Illinois, Nashville, Tennessee, El Paso, Texas, and Chandler, Arizona. Whether you're looking for company equipment to haul dry van or flatbed freight or logistic services for all types of freight or even a career in driving, maintenance, or sales, call Mark Tedford at 815-939-2235. You can also apply online at anweber.com. Weber has immediate openings for drivers in all areas and mechanical technicians in Kankakee, Illinois, and El Paso, Texas. Weber is also looking for logistics agents across the country. Again, call Mark Tedford at 815-939-2235 or apply online at anweber.com. Greetings, sports fans, and welcome to the 39th edition of Weber's Whipping Post. I'm Weber, and I'm delighted you took the time to listen in. This episode is entitled, Hey Ball Fans, Stop the Insanity. Today I'm going to talk about Biden wanting more money, the Gaza hospital bombing, a Florida shipwreck, the Speaker of the House fiasco, and other material before finishing with my latest opinion piece. But first, this podcast is brought to you by Hoffman Chiropractic Neurology. Celebrating 30 years of practice, Dr. Hoffman specializes in general musculoskeletal conditions, neurology, sports injuries, acupunctures, electrodiagnostics, and comprehensive welfare management. Dr. Hoffman provides exceptional care for patients of all ages, from infants to elderly, from expected moms to athletes. Dr. Hoffman's goal is to provide all patients a tailored treatment plan based on an extensive history, a thorough exam, and x-rays. Contact Hoffman Chiropractic Neurology for more information or to schedule. The number is 815-937-0446. You know, there's some things you just know. Biden flew over to Israel last week and in spectacular democratic behavior promised them a boatload of other people's money. And while he was shouting his mouth off, he probably ousted the locations of a few U.S. Special Forces operations. In a speech from the Oval Office upon his return, he claimed Hamas and Russia were both out to annihilate democracies. One has to wonder if he's really upset because the job of annihilating democracies is the job of the Democrat Party. Calling it a global inflection point, he pleaded for another $105 billion to split between Ukraine and Israel. When you have no answers and access to other people's money, the only thing you have to offer is other people's money. We're already $33 trillion in debt. We don't need to be forking over money we don't have. Fortunately for the American people, Republicans in the House of Representatives are up to their armpits in more political gamesmanship while trying to elect a speaker and are failing spectacularly. The result is they can't vote on giving Biden the request, much to the chagrin of both Biden and poor Lindsey Graham. 
You see, Biden is trying to snatch $43.9 billion from the House to give to Ukraine, which has been balked at by the House. Evidently, he figures if he can take advantage of America's allegiance to Israel, combine the amounts together, Congress will just automatically fork over the entire $105 billion. By the way, that figure was originally $100 billion, the extra $5 billion being tacked on last Friday. Suppose that's Biden's juice money? Here's an idea. Make Saudi Arabia, who has all our money, pony up the money to help Israel. This will help to atone for their involvement in the 9-11 attacks. Make New York Congressman Lee Zeldin the Speaker of the House and reduce the deficit by the $105 billion in a symbolic nod to Biden. So who really bombed the El Ali Baptist Hospital in Gaza? Most of the world believes Hamas did it with an errant missile, although it's hard to believe anything today's media tells you. U.S. intelligence backs this claim as well, but I don't have a lot of trust in them either. I'm of the mind that nobody would purposely bomb a hospital, but there again, I'm from Shabance. Then there is the goons from Hamas who think with their genitals, their leaders in Iran who only believe what the Ayatollah tells them, and a handful of American college students and Congress people who don't think at all, who ain't buying it. They all point their dingy little fingers at Israel. In solidarity, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Egypt, the UAE, and Iraq agreed with them. Might want to remember that group of people. A Florida road crew working on a highway found a shipwreck, SS Pacific, which sunk in 1875. Notice I said a road crew? And it was intact. So well, in fact, they found a left leather boot, size 10 if you're missing one. The 20-foot-long boat was buried in 8 to 10 foot of sediment near the Bridge of Lions in St. Augustine, Florida. Other than that, nothing more is known about the ship at this time. So the question begs, who was the original road crew that just cemented over the top of the damn boat? As Rome burns, or in this case, Washington, D.C., Republicans are still playing political games and embarrassing fellow conservatives with their inability to arrive at a consensus for one of the plum jobs in D.C., Speaker of the House. Making a mockery out of the party, they have now determined that third-choice Jim Jordan also can't be Speaker. If you recall, Kevin McCarthy was Speaker before getting tossed out on his ear. Then they tried to elect Steve Scalise. Nancy Pelosi and Kevin McCarthy are probably drinking prodigious amounts of vodka and laughing at the situation. Even a temporary plan to make the interim speaker, Patrick McHenry, more power was voted down. What a crock. I will have more next week on the speaker's race. As a side note, though, I was researching some of these guys that were running and uh, did so on Wikipedia. Towards the bottom of the biography on Pete Sessions, I found an excerpt where they linked Pete to Richard Sessions, who owned 96 slaves in Arkansas. This is why I don't donate to Wikipedia. What possibly did Pete do to earn that excerpt to be put out to the world by Wikipedia? What can Pete do to change that? Thanks to Wikipedia, Sessions has a scarlet letter attached to his name. Hey, can you answer this Jeopardy question? 
Before his death in 2005, who said he was probably the last head of state to be able to recognize all his compatriots in the street? If you answered King Rainier III, you'd have been wrong too. That was the answer by Lawrence Long last week during Final Jeopardy. The correct answer was Prince Rainier III, the same guy, wrong title, so Jeopardy ruled Long wrong, costing him about $15,000 in a championship. As host Ken Jennings pointed out, the country of Monaco doesn't have kings, they have princes. Now, had Long not wrote the word king next to the word Rainier, he probably would have won. This podcast is brought to you by Jeff and Brandon Chiro at Core Street Ford, now in their 40th year servicing the Kankakee County area. Stop by their showroom at 558 William Latham Drive in Bourbon A and check out that amazing GT in the showroom. You can save up to $6,000 on a selection of Ford 150 pickups. Core Street Ford is open from Monday through Saturday, offering new car and truck sales, pre-owned autos, and vehicle servicing. You can call them at 815-348-7024 or check out their website at www.courtstreetford.com. Order the Ford of your dreams today. Yeah, I stumbled across a media company by the name of Stacker. I found very interesting. They create and share data-based information, not opinion. They were able to rate the top 100 rock albums in history with the help of hard data as of August 28, 2020, not by opinion, because everyone has one, but according to the album's appearance and performance on 40,000 editorial and data-based charts, such as Rolling Stone and Billboard. As no two people have the same taste in what makes a great record, Stacker was able to compile this list using statistics. I was surprised to see some of the albums that made the list, as well as the many that didn't. My examples of all-time classic albums that would have been in any top 20 list would be Moonflower by Santana, Allman Brothers Live at the Fillmore East, Demons and Wizards by Uriah Heep, or Layla and Other Assorted Love Songs by Derek and the Dominoes. The biggest surprise to me is that a band I was not very familiar with, nor care from what I've heard in the past, Radiohead, had three entries in the top 10, four in the top 20, and five in the top 100. What am I missing, particularly when one considers no Leonard Skinner or Eric Clapton or no Eagles albums made the list? I gave a Radiohead Greatest Hits a whirl on Spotify and came away very unimpressed. The top 10 albums using the stacker criteria might surprise you too. They are as follows. Number 10, The Velvet Underground by The Velvet Underground and Nico. Number 9, The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars by David Bowie. Number 8 was Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. Number 7, In Rainbows, there again, by Radiohead. Number 6, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band by The Beatles. Number 5, Kid A by Radiohead. Number 4, Revolver by The Beatles. Number 3, Abbey Road by The Beatles. Number 2, The Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. And number 1, OK Computer by Radiohead. 
The only album in their top ten made my list, and that is Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, which I mentioned before would be my number one album of all time. Rounding out two through ten on my list would be in order the Allman Brothers at Fillmore East, Infinity by Journey, Layla by Derek and the Dominoes, Demons and Wizards by Uriah Heep, Aqualung by Jethro Tull, All Things Must Pass by George Harrison, Moonflower by Santana, and Live at Pompeii by David Gilmore. None of these albums sound remotely like anything done by Radiohead. But I'm sure interested in knowing what you think. The House Oversight Committee has gotten bank records showing James Biden, Joe's brother, wrote Joe a personal check for $200,000 in March of 2018. That same day, March 1st, James had received a loan from AmeriCorps, a financially distressed and failing hospital operator. It is thought the loans from AmeriCorps would buy them access to the Middle East through the Biden name, according to committee chair James Comer. Recall I told you in this very podcast that California Governor Gavin Newsom appointed a senator to take the late Dianne Feinstein's place? He had pinned himself in by saying he wanted to appoint a black woman, and by God, that's just exactly what he did when he appointed LaFonza Butler. She'd been in Congress now for about 20 days, and she's already said she won't run for the Senate in the upcoming elections next year. Being senator is not the greatest use of her voice, she said. You may recall, before her appointment, she was the president of Emily's List, a group advocating the murder of babies. As a kid, my favorite ball player was the late Mickey Mantle. I loved the Mick and had collected a few items, including baseball cards that are now worth a fortune if I only still had them. Anyway, Mick was raised in Commerce, Oklahoma by his dad, Mutt, who taught him to be a switch hitter. When he got to the Yankees, he wore number seven for the pinstripes. A collectible investment platform, whatever the hell that is, by the name of Rally, is selling 47,000 shares of the Commerce home at auction, October 27th at $7 each. It's called a fractional ownership deal for real estate. So for $7 a share, you can own a piece of property that, according to the book I read as a kid, wasn't anything special. Mutt was only a coal miner. Evidently, the tin barn uses a backstop when Mick's dad and granddad pitched to him has already been sold to 150 investors. Mickey was with the Yankees for 18 years between 1951 and 1968. He appeared in 12 World Series and holds the record... World Series records with 18 dingers, 40 RBIs, and 42 runs scored. He was elected to the Hall of Fame in 1974 and died in 1995. According to an Emerson poll, Trump is running away from the field for president. Trump now is at 59%. DeSantis and Haley both have 8%. Christie just 4%. And Pence and Ramaswamy are at 3%. This is hardly a race anymore. The real race is if Trump can get elected before the deep state is able to put him in prison or assassinate him. Wonder if these numbers favored into Perry Johnson dropping out of the race as announced Friday. Funny thing, I didn't know Mr. Johnson was running. Paul and Anita Vandersloot, you sure raised a reprobate for a son. 
Of course, I'm talking about Joran Vandersloot, the Norwegian killer of two women who denied him sex. Now we find out, after almost 20 years, he bludgeoned Natalie Holloway with a cinder block and dumped her in the ocean while the two were in Aruba. Keep in mind, he is just now admitting he did it, but not before he had tried to extort $250,000 from Natalie's mother just to tell her where the body was, which he was tried and convicted of recently in Alabama. He received a 20-year sentence for extortion, of which he won't serve, due to being incarcerated for another murder in Peru. Occurring five years after the Holloway murder, as he was still running around free, he murdered 21-year-old Stephanie Flores, of which he got a 28-year sentence. He was also convicted of trafficking in cocaine while in prison, which should have added another 18 years to his sentence, but Peru has a screwy law only allowing a maximum of 35-year sentences. So, Jean will only have seven years added to his sentence. He should get out on June 10, 2045. While the media was busy with their wall-to-wall coverage of Israel, and the Speaker of the House mess, they forgot to tell us the U.S. government posted a $1.7 trillion budget deficit in fiscal 2023. I said trillion with a T, folks. This is a 23% jump from last year and is two years in a row under the Biden crime syndicate. This is money the government is paying out, $1.7 trillion more than it takes in. And yet Biden wants $100 billion more. Dwight Twilley has passed away. The singer-songwriter who penned the hits I'm on Fire and Girls died at the age of 72. Many of his songs made her into various movies in the 70s and 80s. He also sang backup on some of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers music. Russia has their shorts in a wad. Their state-run media, about on par with our state-run media, reported Friday that the U.S. carried out a nuclear test underground in Nevada. The test used chemicals and radioisotopes. That's what the report was, and I have no idea why that was important to us. So Russia is now monitoring us like they weren't before. The test timing is kind of suspect. Russia has just announced their intention to revoke their ratification of the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty. Oh good, nuclear saber rattling by a madman in Russia and a doddering old fool in Washington, D.C. Sleep tight tonight, folks. Democrats just won't quit trying to make changes that give them more power. Senators Cory Booker, Sheldon Whitehouse, Richard Blumenthal, and Alex Padilla have introduced a bill that sets term limits for Supreme Court justices. Not for senators and not for congressmen, but Supreme Court justices. Said Booker, the Supreme Court is facing a crisis of legitimacy that is exasperated by radical decisions at odds with established legal precedent, ethical lapses of sitting justices, and politicization of the confirmation process. This crisis, there's that word again, has eroded faith and confidence in our nation's highest court. Fundamental reform is necessary to address this crisis, third time, and restore trust in the institution. 
What that word salad said was that the Democrats do not like it, that there are six conservatives on the board, and they want to change that. That is their definition of a crisis. Too many conservatives. The court slows down their dumbing down of America. At the same time, there is another group of miscontent Democratic congressmen who are advocating adding four more justices to the Supreme Court. Said Georgia Representative Hank Johnson, the primary sponsor of the 2021 Judiciary Act, a Supreme Court at crisis, there's that word again, with itself and with our democracy, where basic freedoms are under assault from the 63 conservative majority. So if we allow them to add four more liberal justices, they can have their majority and there will be no more crises. I would normally always be for term limits for anyone. But in this instance, I know that these attempts are just more in-the-round efforts by Democrats to stomp their little feet to get their way. For your information, Mr. Booker and Mr. Johnson, I have the highest faith in the Supreme Court right now than at any time in history. The only crisis is between your ears. I like to propose legislation that we have less senators and congressmen. Hey, kid, bite me. My struggles on the golf course are legendary, if not laughable. Now I learn a 15-year-old Oliver Bestchart has qualified for the Butterfield Bermuda Championship at the Port Royal Golf Club in Southampton, Bermuda next month, which is a PGA event, 15 years old. He became the youngest player to win the Port Royal Championship last year and followed that up with a three-over par and a 54-hole qualifier to be given the opportunity to play on the PGA Tour when it arrives at Bermuda. He shot a 68 in his final round. Folks, my book sales are going well, I think. It's hard to say as I'm not privy to the amount of books sold by the internet sites. Won't know probably until sometime in March. The only sales statistics I see is off the Archway Publishing Bookstore site. If you have meant to buy a book, please go to Archway at archwaypublishing.com backslash en backslash bookstore. Romeo Way is in the featured book section towards the bottom of the page. Or you can always contact me. I have books on hand. Also in March, the audiobook should be out, which I'm banking the truckers will like. This episode came to you from the George Ryan Jr. Insurance Group. Everybody needs insurance, so why not buy from the great folks at George Ryan Jr. Insurance who supports programs like mine? You can depend on the George Ryan Jr. Insurance Company. So please go ahead and give George a call at 815-936-0075. That's 815-936-0075. Or look them up on their website and save on insurance at grinsure.com. And now for my latest commentary, Hey Ball Fans, Stop the Insanity. Bleacher Report listed 12 Major League Baseball players who should get contracts of $100 million or more during the offseason. Sadly for Cub fans, Cody Bellinger is on that list, meaning he won't be a Cub next year. Last season, there was 14 $100 million contracts issued. Not one led the Major Leagues in any positive stat this year. 
In fact, Aaron Judge's 37 homers tied him for 10th in home runs, the best showing by any of these top 14 entrants to the $100 million club. He's coming off a new contract, paying him $360 million over nine years. That means the Yanks paid him over a million bucks per homer. Not one of the fabulous 14 batted over 300. It certainly can be done as nine other guys did it in 2023, led by a sterling 354 average from Luis Arez of the Miami Marlins. Bellinger, by the way, hit 307. Now, Carlos Carrera of the Minnesota Twins was so grateful to get paid nine figures that he went out and hit a paltry 230 this past summer. Before hitting so lightly, he had been given a contract for $200 million over six years. Perhaps he should consider giving some of that money back. You would think the four pitchers in the Fabulous 14 would have been an awesome stable of pitchers, but if you thought that, you were wrong. They went a combined 13 wins and 18 losses. Carlos Rodon of the Yankees was given a $162 million contract over seven years so he could produce a 3-8 record with an earned run average of 6.85. Now, conversely, there was a young man who toiled for the Boston Red Sox and later the New York Yankees who made a total of $785,900 total in his 22-year career. 91 years after Babe Ruth played his last game, he's still in the top 10 of many offensive categories. He's 8th in batting average, 3rd in homers, 4th in runs scored, and 6th in RBIs. Think what his stats would have been had he not pitched for the first 6 years of his career, in which he won, by the way, 94 games and maintained a respectable 2.28 earned run average. Babe's highest salary was the $80,000 paid in 1930. That would be equal to about $1.474 million today. That's just about exactly what somebody named Tracy Thompson, a center fielder on the White Sox that nobody ever heard of, was paid on par with the Babe's best salary. Pathetically, 470 major leaguers made more money just in 2023 than the Babe did in his career. A total of 818 players received a paycheck from Major League Baseball in 2023, putting arguably the greatest player to ever play baseball, Babe Ruth, right in the middle of today's salaries. Clearly, there is something wrong with these escalating salaries, and we sport fans are the primary cause. Not victim, but cause. We keep paying for outrageously expensive tickets that have enough surcharges and extra fees tacked on that would make an IRS agent blush. The average ticket price for a game is $37, up 10 bucks from 10 years ago. Although this does not reflect the higher cost if one goes through any of the unscrupulous ticket agencies. One ticket, one beer, and one hot dog for a Cubs game will cost you $99.98, second most expensive in the country, behind the Chicago White Sox, who topped the list at $100.78. Both Chicago teams, long in putting out inferior products, charge the most in the country. Heck, it only costs New Yorkers $49 for a Yankees game, usually a much better product. 
The Minnesota Twins are the cheapest park to go to as you will pay only $39 to watch Korea get paid $222,222 per game to not hit. And yet average attendance per game is on the rise ever since Anthony Fauci convinced us we should all stay home with a rag on our face while he attended Washington Nationals games virtually by himself. Average attendance was up around 8,000 people per game league-wide last year, up 42%. That equates to 648,000 more people per year per stadium, or another $64 million in the pocket of the Cubs' Ricketts family, or the Sox's Jerry Reinsdorf. Think about this. A replica Bellinger Cubs jersey sells from anywhere between $75 and $165. A simple Blues Cubs ball cap is $38. It will cost you up to 50 bucks to park your car in a tight spot that is sure to get your doors dinged up. The point, folks, until we stop paying those exorbitant prices for everything and stop going to the games, nothing will change. The Yankees collectively owe three players over a billion dollars. How long will it be until we see the first billion-dollar player courtesy of our own ignorance? We need to stop supporting this insanity. That's all I got for you, folks. If you like this podcast, please tell others. If you'd like to advertise on this podcast, please let me know. I could always use more sponsors. Check out my blog at www.weberswhippingpost.com. And thanks a million for listening. Bye now. Bye now.